One thing I can't get enough of as a people leader is feedback. Do you love feedback as much as I do? If so, please consider writing a review of All Hands and rate us wherever you listen. When you're such a small team, like you are the sum of the output of like four or five people, right? And so to have a a really happy, engaged team, like I realized really early on was so important. Welcome to All Hands by Lattice, where we believe that people strategy is business strategy. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. For the last decade, I've been a people and culture executive at some of the internet's most beloved startups. But my fascination with building true people-first cultures started many, many years ago. From film to tech and a few interesting layovers in between, the one common denominator remains. I am most passionate about enabling people through belonging to create beautiful, innovative products. On all hands, I talk with CEOs and other C-level leaders about how being a people-first company is a strategic advantage. Join us while we chat with these top leaders about how a people-first approach isn't just good for people, it's good for business too. This week, I'm talking with a woman who inspires me both as a business leader and as a mother, Allison Robinson. Allison spent just under a decade at Procter & Gamble working on a go-to-market strategy for brands like Pampers. But it was while she was out on maternity leave that Allison learned of a shocking stat. Over 40% of American women leave the workforce after having children. This inspired her to create The Mom Project, a marketplace that would allow women in all stages of their career to find work that was compatible with motherhood. Now with over 200,000 professionals in their network and 2,000 companies signed up to hire moms, the momvolution is in full force. So welcome to All Hands, Allison. It's a pleasure to be here, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So, okay, first things first. I just want to hear your story. Will you tell us your story? Of course. Thank you for obliging me. Before founding The Mom Project, I spent about nine years at P&G, kind of had this interesting background. I started my career there selling some of the biggest retailers across the country, um, like Walmart, Costco, where like a SKU was worth a billion dollars and you couldn't go off script. And so I learned a lot in that role about how to sell to big companies and how they make buying decisions. But my heart was really on the consumer side of the business. So about midway through, I had the opportunity to move back to my hometown of Cincinnati, which was our headquarters and lead Pampers Innovation for North America. And it was just the coolest job. I was like spending all of my days at home with moms, observing how technology was just like changing everything about parenting, whether it be how she was working or consuming content or deciding what products to buy. And I just really fell in love with that consumer segment and became pregnant with my son, Asher, while in that role. And sort of just like a very crazy maternity leave, I had only planned to take two weeks off. I had no idea what I was doing, like whatsoever. And my manager was a working mom and she encouraged me to take longer. And so I did. And uh, they had actually backfilled my role while I was out on maternity leave. And so a new manager called me back right before I was due back to work, telling me that they had to extend my leave for a few more months. I was like, okay, got it. Um, Grateful for the extra time home with my son. And I think it was like two weeks after that, I read a stat from HBR that over 40% of American women leave the workforce after having children. And it just awakened in me like, wow, 
it's like really hard to build a career, have a family. And a lot of women leave the workforce early as a result and felt like if I could build a marketplace to really like allow these women to find work that's also compatible with motherhood, like that could unlock a tremendous amount of economic potential. So I just went for it. I started like cold calling while still on maternity leave, like big companies and they were getting back to me. And like, it was at a time where companies were really starting to, I would say gender diversity had just kind of shifted from being a social topic to this is really good for business. And we're all losing women at this same stage, like manager, mid-manager level. And so it just aligned really well with that need and like just workforce trends around more flexibility, remote work, like supportive families and caregivers. So it really created this perfect storm. Um, and so it's just been an incredible four years kind of continuing to, to build the business. It's been so exciting outside looking in, watching your company grow from, you know, the first pilot that we ran at Reddit years ago now uh, to see just how big the platform is. How many moms do you have on the platform? How many moms are you supporting out there? So we're at about 250,000 right now, adding like 20,000 a month, like without spending like any to, to acquire users. So it, it's taken off. I would say we've probably of the 250, we added like 150,000 of those last year. Wow. Walk me through the product. So you, you have access to this incredible talent pool. How are you helping moms? So our goal is really to be there for every stage of her journey. It's really interesting. The moms that come to us, some maybe just found out that they're pregnant and are already thinking about how am I going to return to like a 60 hour week at a law firm and like try to also raise my, my child right. who have been out of the workforce for five, 10 years. So we've really built a product to make it very approachable and we're in mom's corner. I would say like the job market place has just neglected moms and it's felt really awkward to talk about things like career breaks or that need to like leave the office by three or four to pick up your child. And, and we just like bring all of that to the forefront. Um, so when moms are creating our profiles, we're asking for kind of the more traditional things like education back background. What do you want in a career? But going really deep on like flexibility preferences. Do you, are you able to commute, like travel? Do you need fully remote? And then we're matching them with uh, the relevant opportunities from some of the best companies in the world that are really committed to advancing women and families in the workplace. So companies like Reddit, like Apple, Facebook, uh, older industries, if you will, like oil and gas, consumer retail. So really across the gamut of everything from like a Fortune 5 to a, a rocket ship startup. I love that. Thank you for sharing a little bit more. Now, let's talk about inside of the mom project. So that's outside. Let's talk about inside. How many employees do you currently have? We're at about 90 right now. Um, and so that's a combination of full-time employees, part-time and contractors. That's such a fun size. I, I really enjoy that, that kind of stage of building a culture and you, where you're, you're big enough to be able to have some some real fun um, and, and have space to have people thinking about things differently and really having enough you know, people to bounce ideas off of, but you're still small enough where you, you still can know everyone's name and, and feel close. It's kind of like having a child. You're right. You, you like, like every year for different reasons. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so now where are your offices? 
So we are based in Chicago um, in River North. I would say about 60% of the team sits there. And then we've got a tech hub. Our CTO, Matt, uh, sits in Portland. And so we've got some engineers on the West Coast, salespeople kind of scattered throughout the country, which Chicago is our home base. So back to a little bit about inside of the mom project and your culture. At what stage of building your business did you realize the importance of being a people first leader? Oh, man. Um, I like really early on because I realized when you're such a small team, like you are the sum of the output of like four or five people. Right. And so to have a, a really happy, engaged team, like I realized really early on was so important. And we're also such like a mission forward company. I think it even put more pressure on me earlier than maybe most startups right? to really lead a culture with higher integrity, high values. Was there anything from your experience at Procter & Gamble that you, you definitely wanted to take with you? That's a bigger company and, and it's, you know, larger companies are... I think this is my, my personal belief. It's harder to maintain um, a consistent culture throughout just because it ends up getting siloed and splintered. For for the work that you were doing with Procter & Gamble, was there anything that you were like, this is good. This is something that I really want to take and carry with me into my next chapter. Yeah. Even though it was a really big company, I was, well, I started my career there in sales when I was like 19. And so my manager and sort of the nature of the work has you moving around the country like every 18, 24 months. So my first internship was in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is in the middle of nowhere. I know one within like 500 mile radius. And my boss was like my family. And so sort of that, that thought of very family oriented, I would say, mm-hmm. um, really left an impression on me. And um, that stayed true throughout my career there. There was a lot I didn't care to carry forward from a big company, but the people and like hiring for that DNA of very high integrity is something that certainly carried with me. This is a prime example of why being a people first leader matters. The relationships we build become a very important part of our network as we develop. Great leaders can have an incredible impact on the next generation of leaders. If we aren't cared for, developed, or advocated for by our managers early in our careers, we're less likely to do so for our own teams as we progress. You mentioned earlier that that being mission-driven has has really kind of helped lead the way you think about building your team and and the way you've you've had to and chosen to build. So at the end of the day, how is people strategy more of a strategic advantage for the mom project than maybe other companies? Or is it the same? Early on, because of our mission, like I was able to punch so high above my weight on talent, the people strategy was just critical. And so I think by being able to offer them purpose, I was just able to like really early on kind of define a very strong people strategy, attract really great people that that would make the culture better as we scale the business. I love hearing that because I I think that you know, this is a drum that I beat often um, now with our portfolio companies that initialize, but I, I've always kind of preached this from the mountains around being mission-driven. Being mission-driven will absolutely change the experience that that your employees have. And being a culture-first or a people-first leader, uh, it really is about 
constantly illuminating and reminding folks of why they get out of bed every morning. Now, more than ever with the coronavirus, uh, people are taking time away from their families. This is a really, really stressful time. So unless you are so aligned with that North Star, it just feels so much heavier um, and unnecessary even to show up for something that you're not engaged with. Totally. Tap into something bigger than the business. Absolutely. It it grows too, right? With um, every hire that you make. So people come for the mission and then they stay for the the community, truly. How do you feel that has shaped your, um, the growth and development of your executive or your leadership team? Tremendously. I'm really lucky, actually. Like, I think everyone on the executive team has a fair bit more management experience than I do. So I learn a lot from them. Matt, our CTO, like I have to singularly call him out. And so it's taught me a lot about building an employee centric culture. He could write a book. He is much more of an expert than I am. So I've learned a tremendous amount from him. Colleen, who you know, who leads community, managed like a multi hundred person team at Yelp. So I like, I'm a sponge. I soak it up. Like actually at PNG, I didn't have a lot of direct management experience. I had like PL responsibility. So I have just been like trying to continually up level myself throughout every stage of the business and just like trying to learn, learn, learn as, as quickly as I can to keep pace. It sounds like you subscribe to the old adage that you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. So as the, the leader of the company, you're sitting there and you, you show up and you and your own personal development and your career development, even though you sit technically at the top of that, that pyramid, you feel surrounded by people that, that you can learn from. I really do. And um, again, credit to Initialize, who I think has encouraged with our founders to really like invest in yourself and your team. Uh, we actually just kicked off Torch training for new managers Nice that just kicked off this week, which the executive team will, will soon partake in. It's so important. And I early on brought on a head of people seeing like it would be better to kind of be ahead of the curve on that hire than behind it. And so I have such an incredible head of people. She's actually a former lawyer too. She's a total badass. She also chases like our delinquent clients in her spare time when she's not helping the team. That's awesome. It's so funny. That was my next question. I was going to say, do you have a head of people? um, And when did you bring them on? So what stage of the game um, did you hire her? Hired her at about 50. And we, you know, try to really live the mission every day. Like a lot of our hires come through the mom project platform. They're rock stars. So she was actually moonlighting with the mom project. It's like people off super part-time and was doing just like a great job and and was at a place in her career, she was ready to sunset her legal day job and was so passionate. And she was just like so impressed by the executive team and like the culture that we were building. She really wanted to be part of it. And so she totally took a new path with us and took a huge leap of faith and so grateful for her. That's such a funny fringe benefit. I, I was going to ask about that at some point as well. Is, is do, you, do you skim off the top and take the, the cream of the crop for of yourself? Course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about how you partner with her. What does that look like in, in your routine? I, I know that obviously things are a little bit off kilter right now because of the, the pandemic, you know, just a casual pandemic that's happening. <laughs> but, but talk to me about the ways in which you partner. What, what is the core of the work that you do together? She's great. So when she came in full time, 
she really set up, kicked off a listening session. She sat down with every member of the team to really understand at every level and department within the organization what was going really well, what wasn't going well. And so she has really just been an incredible partner to me. Like I'm still trying to meet with every member of the team, but as, as the team scales, it, it gets harder. And she's doing that like every day and bubbling up to me what the challenges are. We talk about like what benefits are we not offering that the team really wants that will make us a better workplace, et cetera. Um, so she just has this really elegant approach to like being the voice of the employee. Um, so when she and I sit down, we we make decisions. We talk about what the benefits will look like, what are major people initiatives for the year. Prior to COVID, it was recruiting. We were really kind of getting our house in order. We didn't have an ATS. We didn't really have anyone fully dedicated to internal recruiting. We were launching um, kind of a more sophisticated performance management tool, et cetera. So we had a lot of kind of ground laying that we were working on prior to COVID. Yes, I do know. I, I know very, very well. And, you know, despite not being an operator anymore, I the watching the way the HR community has stepped up during this crisis has just been absolutely mind boggling. It's amazing. Sometimes it takes moments like this, moments where really serious and really scary things are happening to show you where your priorities should be. This is something that a lot of CEOs and companies are navigating right now. And to be frank, the companies I've had to coach and counsel the most have been the ones who have neglected or put off having the strategic people partner. I think it's really discouraging how easy it is to lose sight of your values when your back is up against a wall. And at this moment in time, it happens to be the entire globe. Every single leader is faced with making really hard decisions, um, you know, whether they are having to lay off part of their staff um, or have been thrust into like overnight boom um, that they weren't planning on because they happen to be in the right, right sector at the right time. But for you at the mom project, how has your true culture really revealed itself over the last few months? It's been like a challenging time for everyone. We have a research arm of our business. Um, Pam, which Pam leads, it's called Work Labs. And she has actually sort of codified the elements of what we call the employee experience. And she's now created a unique bucket, which is called the socio-emotional. And the toll is real. 52% of our team are moms, 70% are parents. And so it's just been more important than ever for us to show up to our team every day and instill confidence in this business, the importance of our work, the trajectory of this company, and instilling confidence that we will manage through the future uncertainty and this business will be better for it in the long term. But it has to be really thoughtful, the language that we use, the timing of communication, like it's so important. Everyone is dealing with so much right now. Um, it really, it's a time when leaders really have have to like show up and leave. I really do hope that that one thing that we take out of this, you know, dark experience um, is is focusing on the importance of how we support one another and the flexibility of work. And I think that this is where the mom project can really step up and, and fill that gap. You you all have been beating this drum for yeah. years now at this point. It's crazy. And I I just like was on the phone today with like a Fortune 20 bank who would have never considered remote work before, but they're now asking me like, 
what team should I keep remote? Like it is really accelerating major workplace shifts. I have been dying to know, uh, you, you all are the tip of the spear talking with these companies, trying to display the power of your partnership. And I would imagine at this point, you have enough data points to, to know very quickly if a company is operating people first, if they're just paying lip service externally, or if they, they genuinely mean it. Um, have you seen any patterns or trends that you're like, okay, they get it. I know that we can have this conversation and, and, you know, build a partnership versus the like, oh, this is going to be like walking uphill in the snow and ice. What are some of those, those patterns for people first companies that you've seen? As you mentioned, like the HR community, which is typically who we're meeting with within a big company, they're coming together in like a serious way to really be able to support their employees during this time of need. They're kind of welcoming us into their companies with open arms. You'll appreciate that many companies have like ERGs, uh, employee resource groups, and they don't know what content. So the mom project is actually presenting to these ERGs virtually on what they can be doing as managers or employees to um, kind of keep productivity high while employees are at home and, and just managing through all of this uncertainty. So it's been a really cool opportunity for us to be with our customers. I would say by and large, they're looking at this as an opportunity to make their workplaces more human-centric and more flexible. I'm so happy that you all are showing up with resources and partnering with ERGs. I think that's a really powerful thing. It's, it's, it is one of those silver lining opportunities where you can show up ready and waiting. Yeah, we love it. And on the policy and kind of flexibility, we're also helping them understand like how they can build embed flexible into like the future. So things don't kind of go back to status quo post COVID. I love that. I love that so much. Okay. I'm going to hit you with rapid fire questions. I want you to try to answer them as quickly as possible. Don't overthink it at all. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Zoom or phone call? Zoom. When was the last time you were alone? Three days ago. That's pretty good. That that's my favorite mom question right now. <laughs> okay, that was just the warm up. These last ones won't be as easy. And think about your company culture. Is it a family or a sports team? Sports team. What is your favorite interview question and why? What was your first job? I can tell by how scrappy you were uh, if you're going to be a good fit for building. I love that. I love that. What was your first job? I was working in the family real estate business at like seven. <laughs> Just filing papers. <laughs> Whatever my dad would let me do. <laughs> the scrappiest seven-year-old you've ever met. <laughs> so my favorite interview question is, when was the last time you wanted something so badly it hurt? Ooh. How honest do you want me to be? I want the most real answer you can give me. That fun race. <laughs> Come on, Kayla. <laughs> I wanted that money really bad. I don't think it's wrong for someone to want to be successful because you are banking not only on yourself, you are, this, this is money that you need to continue to do what you love and you're most passionate about, which is giving mothers and other people an opportunity that they wouldn't otherwise have. I, I think that wanting your company to be successful and money is that resource is the fuel that you need. You should not be ashamed of that answer. I like it very much. Thank you. <laughs> So I, I just, I really can't thank you enough for chatting with me today. I'm so looking forward to partnering with you and the Mom Project team more in the future. Last question. 
when the dust settles and things find their rhythm again out there in the real world, what is the one thing you want to be sure we address as employers or that we carry over into the new, new, new normal, whatever we're calling it now? I think COVID has really shown all of us that there's a lot of life that happens outside of work. And so let's remember that when, whenever some of us go back to our offices and how important that is. This was amazing. I'm so glad to, to have heard your story. And I'm even more excited to be able to share your story and the mom project with, with our listeners. So thank you so much, Allison. You're the best. Thank you so much. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of All Hands brought to you by Lattice. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. This episode was produced by Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, and Samantha Gatsik. Special thanks to Annette Cardwell. Learn more about how Lattice can help your business stay people-focused at Lattice.com or find us on Twitter at LatticeHQ. Don't forget to subscribe to All Hands wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next time.